0: Well, we have uh, been engaged in the Sermon on the Mount for many weeks now, and we're going to continue this week as we look at uh, uh, another passage of Scripture that Jesus speaks to us. And I want you to uh, uh, listen as I read for you from out of Matthew chapter 6, some, uh, some verses uh, from out of this particular passage. So, Jesus says to us this in the Sermon on the Mount, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if the eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hurt one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray. Father, today we pray that you would speak to us in a way that we can understand May your word truly come alive, and may we come alive as your word is planted within us. And help us, Lord, to understand more fully what this message is all about, so that we can live out what you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you have uh, put gas in your car lately, or if you've gone to the grocery store to purchase any kind of grocery item... uh, or if you've even gone to Lowe's and purchased a two-by-four, you have probably discovered that things have gotten more expensive than they were a year ago. Have you all discovered that? Uh, if, if you are uh, looking for a, a new place to live, whether you're looking for an apartment or a, a house to rent or maybe looking for a new house in which to live, you've probably discovered that uh, it's more expensive to, to live in a place these days than it was. Uh, you know, from this time last year to today, inflation has uh, increased about between somewhere between eight and nine percent, and it just uh, seems to be everything just seems to be getting more and more expensive. Now, if you are fortunate to have a little bit of money that you set aside maybe for the future and you're investing those, and you've invested in the market, you're probably aware of the fact that your uh, investments probably aren't doing so well, whether you're in stocks or bonds or whatever it may be. Uh, the stock market has decreased significantly. Uh, just this year alone, it, is, uh, it has decreased significantly. And a lot of people, when they start talking about the economy... There's a lot of talk about this thing called recession, and some say we're now in a recession, and some said we will soon be in a recession, and people talk about the pain that we're going to experience because of what's going on in the economy. Uh, You know, money is pretty important to us, and economy is pretty important to us, and how we live out our lives, right? I mean, we do think about it. We think about it when we purchase things and when we invest in all these sorts of things. Would you be surprised to learn... That in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about economy. He talks about the kingdom's economy. What he has to say is liberating as well as encouraging as we understand what the economy is within the kingdom of God. So the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about kingdom economy. What did Jesus have to say about the kingdom's economy and how does it really relate to us? This morning, we're going to be looking at this section of the Scripture where Jesus does three contrasts in terms of trying to talk about kingdom economy. He contrasts uh, this this matter of, uh, of, of storing up treasures in heaven versus storing up treasures on earth, having good eyes versus having bad eyes, and serving God versus serving our possessions. So we're going to kind of dive into those contrasts this morning and see what it can teach us about how we live out our lives in God's kingdom in terms of the economics. A few weeks ago, uh, Patty and I traveled over to Arkansas where we had the opportunity to take care of our two granddaughters who live uh, near Little Rock as their parents were going off to a conference for a few days. Now, we always enjoy that opportunity (laughs) to take care of the kids, and so we really enjoyed being there. Well, one day while I was seated uh, in the floor with my uh, two-year-old plus granddaughter, Lydia, she came up to me and said, Papaw, I want $10. Now, being a good Papaw, you know what I did, don't you? I took out my billfold and I found a $10 bill and I gave it to Lydia. But that's not exactly what she wanted. What she wanted was change so she could put it in her piggy. Now, she's from Arkansas, so it's not a piggy bank. It's a Razorback bank, okay? And I gave her all the change that I had, all the change that I'd taken out of my pockets the night before. I even went and raided Patty's purse and took some change out of her purse so that Lydia could put money in her Razorback bank. Even at an early age, she understands something about storing up treasure. You know, we learn from an early age how important it is to save and to store things. And here we find this, this admonition by Jesus about storing up treasures as we grow and mature, hopefully how we store things and, and how we treasure things begins to change. But, you know, when we store up things for our future. We, well, you know, we store up money and we save for maybe large purchases in life like a home or a car. Uh, we save for our children or grandchildren's education. We save for a rainy day. We save for going on a dream vacation. We save for one day retiring. Oftentimes, too, there are things in our lives that we, that we take care of as a treasure that have special meaning to us. Some of those things may be something that we have inherited. It may be a treasure from, uh, that we have purchased. You know, we may uh, collect certain things. There may be this vintage car that we've bought. And these are treasures that we have in life. There seems to be, as human beings, we have this, uh, this, this propensity to store up stuff. Given that, Jesus' words give a little bit of rub to us where he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, given Jesus' words, is he saying that it's wrong for us to invest for the future to have items and possessions in our lives that are important to us that we treasure in some way, is he saying we shouldn't have that? Is this some way underlying a message that says, you know, we need to sell everything we've got, give all of our stuff away, and live in poverty? Is that what Jesus is saying? Now, there's some people who hear that kind of call in their lives, and they do that. But again, I think as you begin to look at the whole of Scripture, you see that Scripture teaches us some other things about this to to provide meaning in this particular area. If you go back, for example, into the Old Testament, you look at uh, the section of Scripture that's oftentimes called the wisdom literature, you hear it talking about the importance of preparing for the future. For example, in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2, we read these words, Divide your means in seven ways, or even eight, for you do not know what disaster will happen on the earth. The author here is talking about how important it is to plan for the future and what might happen in that future. In Proverbs 21:20, 20, it says, "...the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but the fools gulp it down." And then in Proverbs thirteen twenty two, a good person leaves an inheritance to their children's children. So these are all passages about the importance of investing. And so we once again find in the Scripture here in Jesus' words this, this, this bit of conflict between what Jesus is saying and what's found in other places. And we have to ask, what's this all about? What's Jesus really trying to communicate to us in this particular passage? It doesn't seem, if, when you look at the scriptures as a whole, that he's saying it's wrong to store up things and to invest for a future. So what's he getting at here? Well, first of all, I think when we read this passage, we begin to understand that Jesus is providing a warning. A warning. Anything we store and treasure here on earth is at risk. Anything we store and treasure is at risk. That wedding gown hanging in your closet that you treasure is subject to the moth coming in and destroying. The money that you have in your bank account, somebody can uh, hack your bank account and can drain your money. That money that you stashed underneath your mattress, somebody can break into your house and find your hiding place and, and find that stuff. Anything we have here on earth, is at risk. And then Jesus offers this great thing. If our treasures are stored in heaven or in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is saying they have permanent value. So he's advocating that we store our treasures in heaven. We store our treasures in heaven. Now, I think though here Jesus' words is deeper than just the permanency of return or the or or even the value of something. He seems to be talking about something deeper because he begins to talk about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He begins to do something that's fascinating. He connects the heart with treasure. He connects the heart with treasure. Now, if you have had the opportunity to be a part of the messages that Jacqueline and I have preached related to the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard a lot of conversation about the heart and about our hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart for theirs, for they will inherit the earth. We've heard that that things start in the heart. It's not just a matter of doing a wrong act, but those acts start in the heart. Good acts start in the heart. And we've heard that several times throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus here connects treasure with the heart. But he says something very fascinating about our treasure, though. He says that our hearts follow our treasure. Now, oftentimes we think just the opposite, that what our heart treasures is what we do or what we have or what we keep. But Jesus says that where your treasure is, your heart will be Also, a way to think of that is this, that what you really value is where your heart will focus on, what your heart will focus on. I believe that it is possible for all of us to look at how we use our resources and discern from that where our heart really is. I think we can take out our bank account and we can look at at how we spend our money and that will tell us what we really value in our lives. For example, a person can say, I really love God. And yet, if that person spends more money on their coffee every day than they do on their giving to the church to the church that feeds their soul, to the church that ministers into the world, there's something wrong with that particular equation. If a person spends more on their yearly vacation than they do on their church tithe, there's something that disconnects in that picture. You see, our heart follows our treasure. So there's, a very, there's some very important questions we need to ask. What am I really investing in where is it taking my heart? Another contrast that Jesus has in this particular section of Scripture that I read a few moments ago, it relates to serving two masters. Now, the language that Jesus used is a language that's a little different for us today because we don't like to talk or think much about uh, masters in slavery, but people in Jesus day understood that. You see, in his day, slavery was common, and the master owned the slave as property. The master pretty much determined what the slave would do and would not do. The, the master controlled the time and, 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 and the direction of the particular slave. Now, again, we we want to be people that determine our own destiny. We want to be people that are free and such. And so that language seems a little different from us. But the reality is we do know something of slavery. Eugene Boring, and I love that name, Boring. He wrote a commentary. Don't you love that? Eugene Boring, his commentary must be boring. Uh, Eugene Boring, in his commentary on Matthew, wrote this. He wrote, Human life is not self-sufficient. Humans inescapably serve something. His contention is, and not just his and many more, including me, we all are going to serve something or someone. The question is, What will we serve? Who will we serve? Jesus knew that it would be a challenge for any human being to serve both God and mammon, wealth, possessions, and resources. He knew that that would create a tug within any of us that would take us in different directions. Many years ago, I heard uh, someone say, what you own will eventually on you. Uh, our stuff that we've accumulated will eventually on us. Uh, take, for example, your vehicle. Maybe you, you have one vehicle, maybe you have two, maybe you have three vehicles, or whatever. We're at our house, or vehicle poor. But you know about your vehicle is this, it requires certain things of you. Uh, you know, it, 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 occasionally it needs to be washed, you know, it needs to be maintained, it needs fuel. You know, there's just certain things you got to do for your vehicle. And it oftentimes demands from us things on its time rather than our time. Take, for example, tomorrow morning you get up and you need to go wherever you're going, whether you're going to school or whether you're going to work, whatever you're going to do. And you go out to crank up your vehicle and it doesn't crank. If you want to go anywhere in that vehicle, you've got to take care of that vehicle's need. Whatever we own eventually owns us. And Jesus said, you know, you really can't serve two masters. The money, resources, and possessions we have are designed by God in God's economy to serve us so that we can fulfill our purpose in serving God. We were not designed to be slaves to stuff. And if we are slaves to our stuff, we end up in a sad place because our stuff will always let us down and never fulfill the need we have in our lives. So we need to ask the question, who or what am I serving? Jesus said and contrasted, don't store up treasures on earth but store them up in the kingdom, you can't serve two masters, you can't serve God and stuff. And then this, this third contrast that's in this section of Scripture. I, one day when I reached the age of 45, I, I started my day in my normal way. I, I went to my reading room where uh, I was going to read my morning devotions. And when I opened up my Bible to read, I came to the conclusion that someone in the middle of the night had taken my Bible out and had poured some kind of solvent on the page because all the letters on the page were just fuzzy as can be. Some of you are too young to understand that, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. My eyesight had changed. How much better it is when we can see clearly, right? You can read what's on the page, you know what the page is saying, but if you can't see clearly, that's a whole different story. And Jesus said, there's this contrast between good eyes. If you've got good eyes, you're going to be full of light, and if you've got bad eyes, you're going to be full of darkness. Now, when we look at that particular saying of Jesus, and we put it in this section in between uh, serving serving two masters and and about this uh, storing up treasures it almost feels out of place but maybe it has to do with if you really understand about the use of our resources correctly you're going to be full life. maybe it's talking about that but i suspect that there's something deeper in mind here something deeper you see the greek word Translated as healthy in the New Revised Standard Version, you know, if your eyes are healthy, it carries the sense of singularity in terms of focus. And its root word is about generosity. The word translated unhealthy can mean poverty or even selfishness. So, let's translate this verse using that thought. Jesus said, If your eye is singularly focused on generosity, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is selfish, your whole body will be filled and full of darkness. The only way we can really understand the economy of God's kingdom is through generosity, is through generosity. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 3, and I oftentimes will quote it to myself, particularly when I'm going through times of challenge, and it begins like this. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your understanding. And that particular proverb ends with these words. Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of your produce. Then all your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. It's really a passage about generosity, being generous toward the things of God. John Wesley uh, preached an excellent sermon. It was entitled, The Use of Money. Now, that probably wouldn't have brought people into the church to so have it out on the billboard, The Use of Money, the sermon for Sunday morning. Uh, but, but he preached a sermon, it was really an excellent sermon. And in the sermon, he kind of explores this economy of God. And he says that when a person follows jesus that that person tends to prosper that person the way they spend their money uh, tends to be better in how they do that and so they tend to gain in resources and then by following god there's oftentimes this blessing that flows into people's lives and so people tend to prosper when they follow god But he also realized that as people prosper and have more resources, that there is this tendency that people rely more on their resources than they do on God. And so Wesley tried to deal with this dilemma. As believers, we tend to prosper, but as we prosper, we tend to slide away from God because we depend more upon our resources than we're depending upon God. And so Wesley came up with an antidote to this problem. He wrote this, Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. For Wesley, being generous was the antidote that prosperity of leading us away from God would lead us back to God through our generosity. Not long after Patty and I were married, we lived in a, a rural area. There were more cows than there were people where we lived. I was the pastor of f- small, four small churches, and this was in the southwest portion of Virginia. Uh, one day I, I went to get the mail out of our mailbox, and in the mail that day there was an envelope. And that envelope had on it to whom it was addressed and it said Patty, Paddy P A D D Y instead of P A T T Y and it said Paddy and D Y D E W I T E instead of D W I G H T and then it had our town Saltville it didn't even have the state on it or a zip code And up on the who it was sent from the sender it had the name Now, I want you to know, had we not lived in a rural setting where our postal carrier knew everyone by name and knew everything there was to know about everybody, we would have never have gotten that particular envelope because it was not properly addressed. There's a sermon actually in that of knowing and people knowing your name, but it's not that that I'm going to get to here. Opened up that envelope, and inside that envelope was a $5 bill. No note, nothing else. But I knew who Hallie was. Hallie was a special-need adult who had virtually nothing. She lived in this small little white house. I don't even think they had indoor plumbing. But she wanted to give a gift to her pastor and her friend, Patty. She was laying up treasures in heaven. This poor but generous woman laying up treasures in heaven. Let me tell you, sisters and brothers, that's about the kingdom economy and generosity. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you that you are a generous God, and Lord, as our King, we want to be like our Father. Plant in our hearts the spirit of generosity, hearts that are generous toward you and toward others in need around us, and Lord, let us experience the benefits of your great kingdom's economy through Jesus our Lord, amen.